live in a different world than we did just 30 seconds ago. It's a different world, it's a different day, but we are back on the Fantasy Draft Room Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Draft Room. I am Chase. You can find me at Twitter, on Twitter, at Trophy Chase, TFDR. <laughs> and as always, my main man, Cody. We're going to invite you. And as always, with Chase on Twitter, at, you can find me on Twitter at Cody Smith, TFDR. You can find the joint account on Twitter at underscore TFDR, YouTube at the Fantasy Draft Room. Check out this podcast wherever you get them at the Fantasy Draft Room. Like, subscribe, review, rate, all of those things we love to see for the algorithms. And with that, let's get into the show, man. Yeah, man, this was a very popular video uh, about a month ago. And so we wanted to do another one as we are about to start a, not necessarily we, but in Destination Devi, they're going to be kicking off a mid-season dynasty startup. So we wanted to do another mock draft, see kind of what changes have been made. So we're going to break that down and see where these player values are, roster construct, like what, what are some things we should be looking at when we do roster construct, not only as a startup, but how can we make some trades to uh, better construct our rosters going into 2023. So let's kick this thing off. And we got the board. We got some good names in here. Again, a lot of everyone's from the Heisman tier in Destination Devi. We got Jay Rich. We got um, our boy Eric Vanek uh, at Eric Vanek NFL from uh, America's Game. We also have Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill, Matt Bruning from C2C. So we have some sharp people in here. Uh, again, Dynasty Barry, he's also a, a sharp dude who does a lot of the the content for, for the analytics for Destination Devi. So very sharp people, very good minds. Let's check out what happened in the first three rounds. So status quo, right? Status quo, man. We get quarterbacks at the beginning. This is Superflex, Dy- Superflex Dynasty League. Uh, just going over the settings real quick, you know, 12 team, we're going to be playing out this season for the rest of the year, just like we did in the last one. It's going to be a shortened season, and then we're going to convert it into just a normal dynasty league at the end of that year. It's going to be a tiered system of PPR, so half point for the running backs, full point for wide receiver, 1.5 for tight ends. So you are going to see the tight ends go a little bit higher than you would in some other leagues. Other than that, everything's going to be standard. And and those super flex leagues, man, you better get your QBs. And just like last time, that's what we're seeing here. All pink stripes throughout the first half of this round, all the way through, I think, pick seven here. The standards at the quarterback position, man, these are the guys you want. These are your BAM tier quarterbacks. These are the guys that you will send whatever you need to do to go get these guys. Your Allens, Mahomes, Lamars, Jalen Hurts has vaulted himself up into this category and changed from our last time whenever we did this mock back in week six, week seven, about a month ago. Jalen Hurts has overtaken Justin Herbert with a pretty poor performance. Yes, would you would you agree with that, that you would have Jalen Hurts over Justin Herbert at this time? You know, I feel like Dynasty this year has been super reactionary. Um, Jalen Hurts has played a, a ins- insanely good football. So, yes, I think he has earned the right to be up in this tier. And I don't blame anyone taking him over Justin Herbert for the rest of the season outlook, simply because Justin Herbert hasn't played that well. He's been injured. His wide receivers have been out, left tackles out for the year. So there's a lot of things around Justin Herbert. But, yeah, I, I think he. I don't think he's bumped Herbert out of the tier, but he absolutely warrants being in it. 
And if you're in Dynasty and you're making a trade for one of the two, I don't, I mean, who cares? Give, give me one of the two. I'll take either one. Um, but the rushing upside does make me like Jalen Hurts a little bit more. Yep. And even honestly, the options side of it too. I like the rushing side that Jalen Hurts brings and I like the options. You know, we've seen both guys, both the lead guys for this uh, receiving core in Los Angeles be banged up. Keenan Allen's still taking like eight weeks to recover from a hamstring. Mike Williams, we've we thought we might have finally have a little bit of a stretch where he didn't get banged up. Now he's out and on IR. <laughs> I mean, what are we rolling out there? We're rolling out DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer, and Gerald Everett at tight end. And those are your guys. All that he can really do right now is dump it off to Austin Eckler in the flat. And and we've seen that this offensive scheme system has not been great with what they've been rolling out there. So I like the offense that we have in Philly. I like the weapons that I have in Philly. And I like the upside that I have in the rushing game with Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts is the QB4 for me over Justin Herbert. But like you said, not that big of a tear gap. We don't think that Justin Herbert is going to fall off the face of the earth. We don't think he's going to get down and like pass the DAC range or anything no. like that. He's still up there in that band tier quarterback for me, right? Yeah, don't panic. No need. I mean, I think the biggest thing that we saw change was Burrow got elevated. He's played really well recently. So, you know, he's gotten pushed back up. And really when it comes down to it, what we talked about last time is it's that top eight to nine quarterbacks that you really want. Watson, I can see once he's back on the field and we're seeing him play, push himself into the to that top group for sure. Um, and, you know, Dak Prescott, and that's pretty much it. So, you know, looking at this, CMC is is the big one that I noticed that right away, you know, First round draft pick, first of all, 25 year old years old. He's healthy. He's in a great situation in San Francisco. So all signs are pointing to CMC returning to overall running back one. And he got drafted as running back one here and by a full round. We we didn't see RB2 come off the board until 301, which was Kenneth Walker or Ken Walker, as he likes to be called. And we started to see the running backs come off the board there. JT slipped quite a bit from what was the second round into the third round this time. In fact, people, you know, we got Eckler over JT and, you know, two to three year windows. Hard to argue. JT hasn't been on the field. We don't know what his his health outlook is for this season. So, you know, you can see him slipping in a draft like this. ETN up here, Swift here still. But uh, you, you still have the top three wide receivers. I think A.J. Brown vaulted himself up. And then you have the aging wide receivers with Cup, you know, Tyreek Hill, Diggs. And you also have Lamb and Waddle sprinkled in there. So anything stand out to you from, from these groups, these groupings? I, I think the biggest thing we've seen here is the running back room. I think Christian McCaffrey is still a little bit of a reach here in the back end of the first round. However, I mean, I can't fully deny it. I got... I got asked right before we came on here uh, who we'd have at the running back one, running back two, because on sleeper, it's Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne. No. Or on, on KTC. <laughs> Good God. No. I will Again. I will put up anybody else. Anybody else. But then I like started to think about it. I'm like, who do we really have? Like, I can't put Brees Hall up there. Like, I can't put I can't put any of these hurt guys up there. I can't put JT up there anymore. So like I came to the conclusion, like what I responded with was CMC and Saquon. Like those yeah. are my probably one and two right now. I don't care if they're 26, like they're producing. And I think they're going to keep producing for the next couple of years, as long as they avoid devastating injury. And at this point with the running back scheme, as it is like all of these running backs are prone to devastating injury every single time they run the ball. Right. 
So I'm just going to take the points where I can get them. And I'm going to take those two above Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne yet, who haven't shown me enough for me to vault them up into the running back one and running back two. I feel like if you have ETN and Walker again, it's not that I think that they're bad players. It's the, it's the process play, right? Like these two are young running backs. They have ascended, as you have said, into community value as to running back one and two. So sell them as running back one and two, because I guarantee you, even though the way this board laid out, you could probably trade ETN or Ken, Ken Walker for uh, an Austin Eckler, right? Plus, you're going to get production. You're going to get a plus on top of that. You know, there's other running backs that we're going to get into here as well that you can move into. So, you know, again, process play uh, to 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 move off of those guys, even looking into trading into a wide receiver. I think the other wide receiver that really stands out is where Chris Olave got taken at the end of the second. Um rookie number one he, he is the highest producing rookie this year i don't quite have him as a top 10 wide receiver in dynasty for myself i just don't project him as an alpha he's played very well this year he's put up some numbers but i think we're starting to see some of the regression towards the where where he'll settle in at but again very good player just not quite in that waddle digs range i think i'm taking higgins and dk over him i'd, I'd rather see him around amon ra or uh yeah in that basic area for me i do think that's probably more where his true value lies but man if andy dalton just hadn't overthrown him in the back of the end zone this last <laughs> week on monday we'd be having a totally different fucking story because he would have went for about seven for 70 and a touchdown and he'd be clear-cut wide receiver one right now in the class clear yep. cut no no questions about it but now that he just didn't get a touchdown pass he's you know yeah we were kind of faltering now from where we had him a couple <laughs> weeks ago i mean uh here you know barry barry's got some conviction on uh chris olave right here so man I, I can't fault him on it he has been the he has been the best producing rookie wide receiver so far we had thought it was garrett wilson for a while we had thought it was you know drake london coming into the man. season uh Man, I still can't get off my Drake London love for the preseason yeah. evaluation that I had on him. And I'd, I'd probably still have Chris Olave and Drake London neck and neck in the in the, uh, in the rankings as far as rookie wide receivers go. Really am excited to see what Traylon Burke can do in this offense as he comes back off of IR. I'd be interested to see if we do this another three weeks from now, if he does play you know, starting this week or next week. Where does Traylon Burks vault himself up to? Because really, I can't see his value going down too much with what they need to use him for in that offense. But, and Chris Olave being up here in the top 10, like you said, it's a little bit overpriced for me, but I, I can understand it. Yep. Right now with the value and, and also with the way Barry built his team, you know, you get the QB one, get a young wide receiver in Olave, get a young running back in Ken Walker. Makes sense for, for roster construction in a, in a draft standpoint. Um, the only other thing that really stood out to me in these first three rounds was uh, the elevation of Justin Fields. You know, he's right here, mid-second, mid right after Trey Lance, back-to-back uh, -back picks. We have Dak Prescott as, what, QB9 off the board. And then we see the gap between T-Law there, or sorry, yeah, T-Law there at the uh, end of the second and then at the end of the third, Tua. A lot of conversation on Tua and, and where he is and, and, and Justin Fields. I can't put Justin Fields up that high. I, I he's he's running really, really well. It's been a four game sample of where we've seen him succeed. And, and you know, if he can continue to run like this, yeah. Like and, and I guess if you're gonna take a gamble on somebody after you know Trey Lance has come off the board, 
you know, you're looking at Fields, T-Law, and Tua in the mid-second. You're like, okay, I need a quarterback. Bruning's also very, very convicted in his Justin Fields loves. So right. little little Ohio State bias there, but uh, I get it. You know, I, I get the potential for him if things continue to work out. Man, I have been Justin Fields hater numero uno for <laughs> the last ever since the season started until now. My response anytime anybody tries to hype up Justin Fields is that he's a good quarterback past the line of scrimmage. And while that might be true, and he might still not be a good wide or a good quarterback, I'm sorry, past or behind the line of scrimmage, still don't think he's there yet. I still think he has a long way to develop behind the line of scrimmage. However, why do we give a fuck for fantasy, right? If he's in front of the line of scrimmage, that's getting us a lot more points than if he's behind the line of scrimmage, right? So I've got to give a little bit of an apology to Justin Fields. I had him way too far down from the days of for the days of just get him off my roster for anything season back in week three, week four was too far low there. However, now we've seen him run and that's, that's really been the big change. He's still not throwing much and we'd love to see that come up for his overall progression in the future of the NFL. But if he can continue to run like this, it doesn't matter for fantasy football. Nope. If he continues to run for hundred plus yards a game, it does not matter what he does behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think the last four is like 80, 80, 60, and 178. Obviously, 178 is, you know, a regular season NFL record. I think Kaepernick had 181 it was in a playoff game. Playoff game, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like it, he's, he's doing it with his legs. And, you know, what I want to see is how teams adjust. And if it is just Justin Fields being, you know, Lamar Jackson type of unstoppable with his legs. If that's the case, we can see them continuing to have a low passing volume offense and it working for him in fantasy. So I'm okay with the pick right there, but he was a, he was one that kind of popped up and I'm like, I started to like, be like, nah, there's no freaking way I'd put him here. And as I really thought about it, fantasy wise, I get it. Yeah. I get it. And so true. Truthfully, man, like from where I started, from where I see him possibly going, if he can, if he continues this, I'm not, I'm there with you that I need to see a couple more games of sample size to see where this goes. But if he continues this trend, man, it's, it's sky high for Justin Fields. I I hate saying it as a Chicago hater, but (laughs) it's sky high for Justin Fields. If he can continue to just run like this. Well, let's check out the next few rounds here. Any last things you want to touch on before we do? I think the only thing here that I'd like to touch on real quick before we move yeah. on is the drop of Kyle Pitts. We'd okay. already seen him in the last three weeks drop down to the third overall tight end, but they were still pretty bunched up close together. I believe it, it went off in the same order, Andrews, Kelsey, and Pitts. However, they were they were, I think they were within four picks of each other in the last one about three weeks ago. Yeah. We've now cool. seen, I mean, it is it's continued to not be good for Pitts continues to just slide down this board all the way into the third round from where we were vaulting him up in the offseason where people were saying hey i can i can understand picking him at the 105 in tight end premium leagues like we were way out over our skis to where we were basically face planting and that is basically what kyle pitts has done this season luckily he's had a couple of good games here in the last two weeks i think but man it has not been good for that offense it hasn't been good for Kyle Pitts we see here Drake London go off two picks behind him it hasn't been great for him either thought we'd see a lot more out of this offense and hopefully we get a change for these guys I still love their talent 
love what they can do on the field, but have to have more of a passing attack in Atlanta before these guys can really show their true colors and show their true value in Dynasty. Yeah, they're getting target share. They're just getting really inefficient targets. Um, and that is the fault of one Marcus Mariota. So, you know, I don't I don't put too much stock into it. I'm with you. You know, I still will invest high, you know, heavily in Pitts and London. But if you're expecting Pitts to produce tight end one numbers for you, that is not happening. You are investing for the future in one Kyle Pitts. So um, I'll pull up the next part of the board here, just kind of get things rolling. You know, we get uh, into the fourth round. We see a little bit more variety. Uh, I think last time in the fourth round, it was pretty, pretty like magenta, as you would call it. You know, there's all all of the quarterbacks were in the fourth round, and, and we're seeing things a little bit more spread out. These wide receivers are actually pushed up the board uh, as a result, and so you you know we start seeing a little bit more of the the running backs too. But again, it, there's a lot of blue in there, right? We got a lot of blue. Any risers? Anything really stand out to you um, in this group right now? I think it is the difference between this this draft and the last draft we had a couple weeks ago where like you said uh, our last draft had all the quarterbacks going off in round four the actually the only quarterback who went off in rounds two and three combined was trevor lawrence at the two nine that was the only quarterback who went off in rounds two and rounds three not the case here we've kind of seen where these quarterbacks are kind of settling in i think i think we had a lot of concerns about a lot of the tier two guys at the quarterback position maybe tier three guys if you want to group you know like the prescott watson and lance up in their own little category we've seen qb kind of settle out where we had a lot of questions about the same type of guys we've seen these guys either elevate themselves like two has elevated himself up into the third round in this draft and we've seen guys like that we had hope for right yet where it's the russell wilson's the Derek cars those guys have started to fall back out of where they were where you still had the hope you still had you know, they could still be the QB2 that's producing week over week. And really, they they aren't producing that badly, but it's it's different compared to the guys that have risen themselves up. Yeah, it's not the expectation we had. And obviously, when we did the draft, um, you know, a month ago, we, we had hope. Um, you know, another one that really stands out to me, like obviously Fields elevated himself uh, pretty much, you know, 20, was it 25 spots, 22 spots for, for Justin Fields. So he he put himself up there. Um, DeAndre Hopkins came out of nowhere too, non-quarterback, but he rose 58 slots and it was because he wasn't playing at the time. He hadn't actually played in his first game. So this was the, the first draft was before week seven. So we hadn't actually seen him play yet. And obviously we've seen him play three games now and it's looked very good. So you get excited. You, you, you push him up the board. Are you, comfortable with deandre hopkins being a what fourth round for you know wide receiver comfortable no but if i want him on a win now team hell yeah Uh, i mean it is a it is a difference between our last draft and this draft too because last draft we did see hollywood brown go off at the four three and that was pre-hollywood injury right so at that point, we're still thinking Hollywood's probably going to be a predominant force in this offense, right? Yep. And now we have Hollywood's out for basically the fantasy football season almost until maybe yeah. late playoffs, right? So DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the focal point of this offense. He is going to run everything. Kyler Murray is going to put every single target he can 
through DeAndre Hopkins. And that's how this offense is just going to run. And he's been fantastic for the first three weeks that he's been back on the football field. I don't think anybody saw that he would come back this quickly, this great, and just be the focal point of the offense from day one, especially as we were three weeks ago, thinking that Marquise Brown was still going to be an integral part of the offense as well. So fourth round, man, still a little bit scary. Still, you know, what's his what's his outlook for the rest of his career? He is the wide receiver going on 30 or 30 right now, and, you know, that's pr- predominantly when we see, start to see the fall off, but and D hop looks like he's still playing at 27 and just, yeah, an absolute monster on the field. Still probably one of the top, top 10 wide receivers, maybe a top five wide receiver in NFL. Yeah. He is playing very, very well. Um, that 100 gra- touchdown grab he had you know, between two defenders, like he can catch anything. And I don't think that's going to go away even when Hollywood's back. So um, yeah, Hollywood, I, I think his injury had just occurred. So he still, but he still went fairly high. We we didn't know at the time like the extent of how long he should be out. Um, I think it was like four to six weeks at the time, and I think now we're a little more realistic. It might be like six to eight, uh, but he's still. I mean, what Hollywood is here in the sixth round now, so he did drop a little bit uh, with the injury, no production. But I still think once you get you know Hollywood and D Hop on the field, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, Brees Hall, ACL tear, still going in the fourth round. You know, we, we have another ACL tear with Javante Williams there at the end of the fifth. <sighs> running back, what, we have a total of four, seven, ten, like 15 running backs off the board now through six rounds. <sighs> Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Pierce put himself up here. I mean, you can get a running back anywhere, I feel like. <laughs> you get You get equal value all the way through these rounds, man. That's just... It's just how the running back landscape is. And to talk a little bit about Brees Hall specifically, just because it was my pick. I mean, I I wouldn't have even picked him here, but with the way my team looked at this point, I mean, I have Deshaun Watson, Trey Lance, Amon Ra, and then I'm looking at my team and I'm going, there's no way I can compete this year. And it's a shortened year as well. So, like, let's just go full punt mode. Let's just go for the Bijan sweepstakes. We're just going to take injured guy after injured guy. So let's just just set the – course right now <laughs> we're just going to go for full tank season we've got three guys who aren't even playing for most of this year and deshaun trey and Brees. we're just going to keep going we see it through the next couple of picks here with rashad bateman and hollywood brown as well so i would have been i would have been interested to see where Brees hall would have gone possibly where javante went maybe at this uh next pick in the fifth round where he possibly could have slid to because I don't think there's any way you're taking Javante over Brees at this point with basically having similar injuries, right? So probably wouldn't have slid that far, but that was the reason kind of why I took him there at that spot. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense for the roster construction. I mean, I I took, you know, Lamar, Waddle, I went with the young wide receiver at that point because I wanted to make sure I had a wide receiver in that top tier. Um, you know, with Saquon, then following that, cause for me, Saquon, like as you mentioned earlier, when you're talking about running backs and, and who is running back one right now, it's got to be between CMC and Saquon. Uh, Ken Walker's playing well, Eckler's playing well, JT, ETN, I don't care. For me, it's those two 25, 26 year olds and then everybody else. Looking back at it right now, like I don't love the Pittman pick in the fifth like i would have much rather have taken t you know gone with waddle t higgins or dk and then instead of the Pittman pick taking nick chubb because again uh, like we just said you can get running back anywhere like i joe mixon nick chubb derrick henry you know Ramondre, 
you know, we have Dalvin and, and Dalvin and Alvin back-to-back picks. Like all of these guys are producing at a high level and all of those guys are, are separated by four rounds. So if you're going to get production any round, like you, I don't want to miss out on wide receiver. And I think that's the biggest thing that I learned through this. And I think why we saw running or wide receiver pushed up, you know, a good chunk is the fact that, you know, quarterback, we don't really have a lot settled in that court, you know, QB two range. But if you miss out on like the top 24 wide receivers and you don't get two of those guys, like you just don't love the look of your team. Like it, it, you can still build a very good roster, right? Like not saying that you can't, but like looking at Jay Rich's team, you have Dak Prescott, but you got CMC, Swift, Dalvin, and Alvin. Sounds great. And you know, all you have is Devontae Adams. What's going to come from hit from, from there isn't going to feel great. And yes, you can make trades. Those, those types of things can happen. Uh, it's just, you miss out on some of those top guys. It's a lot harder to construct your roster or to build a, a winner with youth. It is a lot harder. And I've got one of my teams that looks a lot like that team, to be honest, right now that I I'm struggling in. It's like a seven and nine team. And I thought I was going to be a top three contender in that league before the season started. I know that's a little bit with how the season started for a lot of these guys. It wasn't great. And hopefully moving forward, they can keep it up. But we've seen that it's just it's just inconsistent from these running backs. Yeah, uh, it's you, you get the consistency out of these wide receivers. And that's why these guys are vaulted up. It, it is kind of funny how you say like we have, you know, this group of probably like 10, 12 running backs that are all kind of the same guy, except for the ones that here like Brees Hall and Javante who are just hurt, but still have the the value insulation on them. And then we have, you know, the 24 wide receivers. And you would think that that would make, you know, wide receiver get pushed down a little bit more, but really it creates more scarcity because if after, after this group of wide receivers, the teardrop is just heavy. Like there's just guys that you, in these next couple of rounds that we show here, there's guys that you just, you feel disgusted with in picking because you feel like you should just have anything else almost on your roster, but you just kind of like need a wide receiver if you don't have them at this point. And that's the point that I got to in the last draft where I was having like Christian Kirk as my wide receiver one because I went quarterbacks and tight ends and a running back in my first couple of rounds. It didn't feel great there, and I, I love this draft a lot more, even though it is tanking for next year. You just have the the insulation of these top wide receivers is just so much better than the insulation that you can – you don't even really have insulation with these running backs up here at this range. Yeah, the – you know, after Devontae, you had Debo, and then you get into a, like a, a tier break, really. Like even T- Debo might be on that fr- – you know, uh, threshold but you have Deontay Garrett Wilson DJ Moore Michael Pittman DeAndre Hopkins Devonta Smith like all of these guys very good wide receivers NFL wide receivers you know you that you you could paint a picture of these guys pushing themselves into a, another tier right like so they're not like they're bad players but right now they're just wide receiver twos George Pickens you know we have Godwin Judy Sutton Bateman you know, again, you get it, get into this range where it's like they're good players. You want them on your roster. You know, Amari's going to score points for you. Mike Evans, Juju, Lockett, like they're all going to score points for you. But you just don't feel great about like if that's your wide receiver two. You know, if that's your wide receiver one. Uh, looks like this draft built a lot better. I mean, we had only uh, space bound there in the eleven slot took AJ Brown. So we have two teams with one wide receiver. 
it looks like through these first six rounds. So the 11 and 12 slot kind of played a different game than everybody, which is what you're going to have to do. Like as you, as you are in these startups or as you're constructing your roster in a startup like this, you kind of have to figure out where the advantage is for you. Um, so any last things you want to touch on before we pull this board open? Yeah, I, I want to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit more yeah. here, and I want to talk about where they moved from the last one compared to this one. Okay. Man, it is a <laughs> fall from grace from some of these guys that we were hyped on. The first one that I want to bring up, Zach Wilson. Man, um, remember th- remember that little bit of hype that we had, that little bit of like hope and hype that he was going to be that guy that vaulted himself up into the next tier? Zach I'll Wilson. Say we- don't say no, we. Yeah, I never no, 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 not we. Not we. We were the community. We were not yeah, maybe the community as we, <laughs> the collective we, we, us two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Told you not to do this. This was bad process. Um, Zach Wilson at the four oh six in our last draft. Not seen here in the first six rounds. I don't think he's going to be seen for a while. He dropped like forty five slots. He dropped a total of 45 slots Jeez. from week seven to week or week six to week nine. We'll call it week six to week nine. Man, just I, we were full tilt, full tilt, full gas pedal on for some Zach Wilson there for a bit whenever he was still throwing it around. He, he had just come back from injury, man. Like it was only like a, what was that, two, three week sample maybe that we had gotten out of Zach Wilson and we were all over it uh, again hope. we collective community but man a, a true fall from grace for him and then the other one that i still have some hope for zach wilson to eventually get there the one that is just fell off the face of the earth matthew stafford man he's he is the largest drop largest drop in positional rank or in draft position 53 total draft slots Oof. Man, what happened to Matthew Stafford? We have talked a lot um, off air about the quarterbacks. And, you know, it gets to a point where it's like you feel like you're just beating a dead horse and saying the same things over and over. But, man, Matthew Stafford, you could not have told me coming into this year would be this bad. And with that offense, you couldn't have told me that this offense would be this bad. It is Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, and that is it. So what it comes down to now is Matthew Stafford is tied to that team for for sure four more years. The money guaranteed, like there's no way unless he retires is going anywhere. But you can tell the injuries are mounting up. The body's kind of breaking down. He, you know, in all honesty, he may need to figure out if, if or is the team may figure out if they need to start like, Oh, he's going to have season ending surgery on his shoulder or something along those lines or, Oh, he's going to be out for a while. So I, I love Matthew Stafford, the football player, but for fantasy football purposes, like we, we talked about it today. Like, what are you trading Matthew Stafford for? And I, and you just can't like, you just can't trade him for, for a bowl of dog water. He started (laughs) off. He started off, I, I just pulled up because I was interested to see. I just pulled up Adiko's uh, last preseason startup ADP. Matthew Stafford was the QB 12 overall. <sighs> Going off at the 402. 
Wow. Wow. Outside yeah. of the top six rounds here, already fallen 53 from where he was in the fourth. KTC, he's all the way down to quarterback 23. <sighs> yeah, you're not getting anything for it right now. Like, you're just not. Yeah. You know, we... You, what do you throw a first onto him and try to trade up? Do you do you wait and hold out hope for the future? Like he's going to be playing football again. Like you know, unless he retires, which that team might make him retire. Be <laughs> playing behind that offensive line might make him want to retire. But there's a lot of money on the table for him still. I, I would have a hard time seeing him actually retire. Like the more I like really think about it, like you just kind of have to wait it out. You might be waiting until next year. Uh, see if you can get some offers in the off season, but like I mean, literally the the conversation we had is: Would you trade Matthew Stafford for Jimmy G or Geno Smith or Daniel Jones? And could you get it done? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can for a couple of those. Like maybe Jimmy, but <sighs> it's tough. It's unfortunate. It it's is. It's very unfortunate to see what's happened to this team and whether it's the lack of the offensive line, it's whatever it is there. I mean, it just seems to all be going to shambles. Cam Akers is having his personal issues with them. I guess he's coming back now. Not that that's going to really help revitalize the offense or anything like that. Um, and I know I brought it up on our last episode where like I could – that was really the first time like I even thought about the potential of Matthew Stafford retiring. And while I do think Truth. it's slightly a possibility, I, I don't, I don't actually think that that's going to happen. I think, I think Stafford will play as probably as long as Cooper cup is playing with him in LA. Like that's truthfully what I think will happen, but they need a lot of help and they don't have any capital to get themselves help. And they don't have any cap room to get themselves help. <laughs> like it's, it is a ugly situation there in LA and Hey, you know, they got their super bowl. They got what they wanted. They, they said F them picks and it got them what they wanted. Right. This is the repercussions, you know, and, and I want to call ourselves out on something because we made a trade in a league where preseason, we thought that this was the right move to make. We had a win now roster. And we're like, you know what? Justin Fields, that that Chicago offense, we don't really know what it's going to be. It doesn't seem like it's that great. Nick Chubb is up there in age. You know, let's let's trade those two away and let's go after Matthew Stafford and Zeke Elliott. Like Zeke Elliott and Chubb, they should be pretty close in production. Matt Stafford, he's going to be a top five, top six quarterback because of, of what they did last year. Like there's no way this offense could be this bad. I mean, we took a huge L on it, but we are still in first place for, for for the record. However, where could we be if we had Justin Fields and Nick Chubb? <laughs> but, you um, know, again, you know, at the time it was the right play. Like, you think about it, you're like, yes, I, well, let's go for the sure thing production. But, again, there's no sure thing in fantasy. It sounds good at the time. Here we are eight weeks later, and we're just like, what the fuck did we do? Never is, man. Like, we can talk about these trades till we're blue in the fucking face. We could argue them with every point we want, every opinion we want. We can bring out stats. We can bring out, we can bring out encyclopedias of history about fantasy football if we really wanted to and just argue these trades for hours on end, days on end, weeks on end if we really wanted to. At the end of the day, you can't judge a, like, it's, it's almost like trying to judge a draft pick for the NFL. 
you can't judge a fantasy football trade in dynasty probably until you're like a year down the road or at least yeah. until that season that you made the trade is over in you can you can sit there and say oh my god i would totally smash accept that and <laughs> two weeks later the guy goes out and he tears an acl and then you're like oh well you know whoops guess it's amazing guess that was a win it's amazing what just a few weeks in fantasy football does, let alone like, you know, half a season, a full season, you know, the following year, like it, everything changes so quickly. Um, and I think that's why we adjust so fast. So we're trying to stay ahead of the curve, but um, you know, we got to be careful not to overreact in certain situations. So yeah, right now I don't feel good about that trade. It's no, no, we do. We do not. Uh, but I mean, it's hard to stay ahead of the curve when the curve is literally like, just it it doesn't stop curving ever it <laughs> never stops week over week it just cheap it keeps changing like is there anybody who would have said jt's the wide receiver five on the year going in the third middle back end of the third round from where he was going in the preseason like no way maybe we could have like we probably should have had a little bit more foresight and seen that like okay we know that these running backs don't produce the same rate year over year they don't reproduce as the running back one year over year but to go down this far man it's crazy right. and then and then we've even seen it mid-season we vaulted Brees hall up to rb1 then he goes down we had javante up at rb2 then he goes down there's nothing that we know for sure about any of these guys all that we can do is say hey this is the information we've got this is the correct process play and then we hope and pray that it works out <laughs> yeah man i mean it, it it's a revolving door especially at running back where you know cmc was you know rode off before the season oh, i can't stay healthy barkley couldn't stay healthy chubb's old derrick henry's old mm -hmm. eckler's old like all these guys are old and just can't you know they're not going to last we've seen rookies we you know kenneth walker was rb18 he plays really well and now he's all the way up to rb1 or two in in you know community value etn same thing it's like you know we, we thought he was going to be in a timeshare forever j-rob gets traded and look what happens it, it, things change quick you know and and so yeah it is hard to to predict it all the one last thing you know before i, I want to get out of this group and, and into the full picture is tj hawkinson um this happened right after the trade to minnesota uh, we did see him vault up, was it 49 slots? So I think he went in the 10th round last time, and here he, or 10th or 9th round, but either way, he, he vaulted up 49 slots, uh, made it into the 6th round, you know, going to be tight in 6 off the board, which is about where we thought he would be. Uh, he might have a chance to be a top 5 tight end now, maybe? We got hope. You know, as much as we've called TJ Hawkinson the fraudulent tight end one, um, I think we can say for certain that he's better than Irv Smith, right? As much as hope yeah. we've had for Irv Smith, he's he's a better tight end than Irv Smith, right? So yeah. it's kind of interesting. I, I would want to – I may look this up here just a second, but where, tight, or where TJ Hawkinson started off the year to where he fell all the way down to round 10, our last mock he went – and he went at the 1008 in our last mock a couple weeks ago, all the way back up to the 67. Um he's almost right back where he was. Like times change. Started from the top, went to the bottom, and now we're here again. 
All right, let me pull up these. Any last things you want to cover with these six rounds? Um, no, the only one that uh, we don't see, and uh, you know, it's sad for me that we don't see him here because I had such high hopes for him. Where where does Najee go? Just put the board up and see how far Najee fell. <laughs> Najee Harris is all the way down into the eighth round. Eighth round. And I just I almost just want to take like a moment of silence here for this man. Um from the guy who Man, the two oh the two oh one preseason is now the eight oh one. No injury. I mean, he had the injury, I guess, but like he's played still. So let me ask you this though. Do you feel that this is an overreaction? Because you know, I don't kind of throw you on the spot here, but like Najee, we knew was going to have a bad offensive line coming into the year. We knew that there was going to be quarterback issues in in Pittsburgh, right? All of that was known. The Liz Frank sprain, obviously, thought, oh, it's it's a problem, and then it's not going to be a problem, and it's obviously a problem. Like if you're running around with a metal plate in your cleats, probably not a good thing no, for not. you. So, like. Is the drop warranted like this far of a drop? And like, what are you doing with Najee? I do think it's warranted, to be honest. I mean, I was one of them that had Najee off my top five dynasty running backs. And I looked at the situation. I knew it was bad. And I said, I don't care. Like, (laughs) I think he's still going to get the receiving work. I think he's still going to be an inefficient rusher on the ground game, which is what he was last year. Basically what I thought is like this offense can't get much worse than it was last year with big Ben. Right. We've seen target share fall off a little bit and we've seen this offense, man, I, I didn't think it could get worse. And it it is, Um, especially during the weeks that we had Mitch Trubisky out there as well. If what you want to do with him, man, I think at this point he's almost a buy just because he's so freaking low. Right. It's what 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 can you get lower than this? I mean, you can in some places almost just send out like a second and a third and get Najee Harris. I mean, oh. if, if you can do that, I guess you have to, but man, I mean, you're taking a bet that this offense is going to get better. You're taking a bet that the Pittsburgh Steelers as a franchise know what they're doing, know that they hey. Our offensive line sucks. We probably shouldn't have drafted. We shouldn't have even had Najee Harris on this team because we should have just drafted O-line and got any running back plotter that we could have had fill that role. It's probably what they should have done, but here we are. Here's what we got to work with. So let's fix the offensive line. The defense is still good. We've got weapons on the outside. George Pickens actually looks serviceable. Deontay's still here. Najee Harris is still good. Jalen Warren's even showing out. Man, like I think he's, I think he's at his rock bottom right now. So if you want to go buy him, do. I don't even. I can't sell him though. Like if I own him, I don't think I can sell him just because it can't get any worse than this, in my opinion. Like if you're a contender and you and you want the points, like you might be able to trade Najee for an aging wide receiver. I but. I don't know if you're getting much else. Like you might be able to, you might, might, might 
be able to squeeze two seconds value out of him. But you're going to be hard-pressed to find a person to do that. Um, if I am looking at next year, and again, I don't like to invest in running backs. That's the struggle that I have. Is I don't like to invest in running backs if I'm looking for a retool. Um, I will wait till the season gets closer next year to find out what situations really look like, and I have no problem paying for one, right? Like, no problem paying regular price versus trying to buy low on a running back. So that's kind of where my struggle is. I guess if you can get him for a second, if you can get him for a second and a third, yeah, like, sure, I'll take the shot on him, right? But if it's an early second, like the 201 to 204, I don't know that I want to. Like, I would rather take a shot on Charbonnet, maybe Blake Corum falls. Maybe like we'll get into the 23 class here and and what's to come. But I don't know that I really want to take that kind of gamble. Um, I don't think he's dead. I think he's going to be fine. I think I do think that giving him an opportunity to heal should help. But the targets aren't there. And the passing work, we got 94 targets last year. He only has 28 this year through half the season. His touches are down. I, I do think a lot of it has to do with the injury. Also has something to do with the fact that, you know, game script, offensive line bad. They're like, hey, let's not run Najee into the back of our O-linemen, you know, 30 times a game. Probably not a good game plan. So I still have hope for Najee to rebound, but it's brutal. <sighs> Uh, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's sad, situation. man. Like, it's so like, sad. You feel for you feel for the fantasy side of it, and, and him as an NFL player, man, you feel bad for him. Yeah, man. Like, who would you rather have the Najee Pickett eight one or the guy who I took three picks later at the eight oh four Miles Sanders? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was looking at the board, and as I was looking at like the the running backs after him, I was like, man, I wish I had Miles Sanders over him. Like, <laughs> give me give me Aaron Jones. Like, what do I? <laughs> No. Right, like, I mean, me, I mean, I think oh. it's even a question about freaking Khalil Herbert, man. Oh. Like, is that the cutoff point with Najee? Is that where we're freaking at? Is Khalil Herbert or Najee Harris at this point? It's crazy to me, crazy to me. But yeah, you know, again, I don't want to just beat on Najee here. It, it, it's truly unfortunate for him. Hopefully, he does get that rebound. It might be a buy low opportunity for you for for people in leagues. So do try to look at that. If you're if you're comfortable giving up, if you have a lot of seconds and you can give up, you know, a mid and a late second for him, like do it. You know, he, he's a guy who could increase in value, uh, but you're going to have to wait till next year to see it. He, you are going to have to wait till Najee actually produces on field to sell him. I, I would be shocked if you can sell him for a first at any point this offseason. You can get a 24 first for Najee 24. Harris right now. Gone. Are you out? Gone. Gone. Yeah. Yep same yeah I, if i can get a 24 first for Najee harris i'll kick back a third i don't care give me the 24 first i am out like see ya so uh okay seven through ten this is where you know we talked about the wide receivers right we you, again you see a lot of blue coming off the board but mclaurin iuke mike williams gabe davis like again names kind of intrigue you a little bit jmo Ugh, just a lot of it's what i like to call the hope t it's the hope range right like yeah you know these guys are, you're, you're still fine with putting them in your roster they're still fine being a flex option and you just have like 
maybe this guy can vault himself up into being the guy. Maybe, you know, we, we saw the rise of Christian Kirk this at the beginning of this season. Like maybe next year, this guy can be the next Christian Kirk. I think that's a lot of what we have in this range of like the Jacoby Myers, the Alan Lazards, Dotson, Mooney, a lot of these guys that we, we see the path forward. We see they're talented, but they're just not producing up to a level that we're trusting them week over week ever. Yeah. You got Hope and Ridley, you know, uh, again, you know, what's the, the, the crazy thing to really look at here is like round nine and 10 was Ridley, Romeo, Keenan Allen, DPJ, Curtis Samuel, Chase Claypool. Like you don't, you're not starting obviously Ridley. Keenan Allen hasn't played, but you know, maybe 20 snaps this year. Dubs is hurting out for the, a while, a good chunk. DPJ, uh, you got some hope. Like you said, you got some hope for when Watson comes back that maybe there's, there's some opportunity. Curtis Samuels having a resurgence of sorts. Uh, Claypool just got traded when we did this. Like again, none of them make you feel good. So if you are drafting these guys as you know, uh, looking at Jay Rich's team again, great running back core, but you have McLaurin as your wide receiver two and DPJ as wide receiver three. Like ugh, you're starting three wide receivers, so you got to roll out DPJ, or you got to hope you find something later on in this draft. Yeah, and I guess looking at this, we're we're taking this from the context of probably like a start was start ten, start eleven, where you're probably wanting to yeah. start five wide receivers almost every week because that's. You'd- like that's, you know, three starting three for sure. Like if you're starting three for sure, like that's the thing. Yeah, and you have to lock in three in most of the leagues that we play in like this. You have to lock in three, and those are your three. Man, it's it's sketchy, sketchy territory. Oh. Like looking at just kind of looking at some of the roster constructions, you know, space bound again had AJ Brown, Ayuk Lazard. But again, you know, do you feel great about some of that? I'm very concerned about a Lazard, Dobbs, and Rogers stack, <laughs> just to be quite honest. Um, I didn't even see that. <laughs> I'm very concerned about that. Um, we've seen it hasn't been great this season, even then Dobbs going on IR probably, and then uh, Aaron Rodgers maybe just up and quits the NFL. I mean, there's a chance that that happens right at the end of this year. And man, you were left with Kirk cousins and what's, what's past this Ryan Tannehill is your QB too. Yeah. It, it could get in a very dangerous territory there. So, um, I mean, if, if the stack turns around, it turns around, but I don't see it. I, I just don't see it happening this year. Um, yeah, even looking at just the quarterbacks that you mentioned, like Daniel Jones, skyrocketed in this thing too oh yeah he he went up 38 spots he's playing very good football it seems like he's gonna get a contract he's playing really well you know geno smith vaulted up as well 32 spots same type of situation playing really well looks like he's gonna get another contract with somebody um ramondre they're all all guys that are performing all guys that are putting themselves in situations where they should be holding value for another year or two um, anything stand out at, at quarterback for you specifically? Because I mean, I, I feel like I feel like we've realized it's it's that top group. Like we we've kind of maybe had the top, you know, seven to eight. We extended out to maybe twelve to fifteen, and then after that, it's just hey, do you care? 
it's the range of eh, I'll throw a dart on this guy, right? <laughs> like um one of the ones that stands out to me, man, I think Marcus Mariota is kind of an interesting pick. Um I know we we've said a lot. I know our last pod, I think we were talking about possible Lamar Jackson landing spot for this Atlanta Falcons yeah. offense. And while I love it, man, like I love I love the outlook of it. This team's winning. Like yeah. they're, they're in the NFC South, and it is a garbage division. And Marcus Mariota is leading them to enough wins to where they can possibly win the division. God, that's sad. It's like we got to watch a Thursday night game of freaking Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> oh, man. Like, at least just. Man, like if we could have had like maybe Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral in their like rookie years starting <laughs> off against each other, just anything to make me want to watch that game. <sighs> PJ yeah. Walker and Marcus Mariota, though. Um, no, no, thank you. I I don't want that at all. But I mean, man, uh, Marcus Mariota, he's performing for this year, like as a as a QB two. This year, he's actually been pretty serviceable. He's running the ball enough. He's throwing the ball enough. And hell, man, if you win the division, can you really replace that guy? Yes. Yes, you can. Okay, Resounding thank you. Yes, for <laughs> I'm not even going to hesitate. You give me anybody else. I'll... I think it's not kind of the same else. argument with a guy we don't even see here in Ryan Tannehill, right? Like, he's not yeah. producing for your fantasy team as well as probably Marcus Mariota is, but he's another guy that could easily win his or lead his team to a division win. Yep. And are you really going to roll back out there with Ryan Tannehill again next year? That one, that one I'm a little more confident in. That one's definitely got a high percentage chance of him retaining the job, right? Um, yeah. he, he's been the guy. He's got the contract. They still have to eat dead money. Marcus Mariota, I mean, you could almost chalk that up to a backup quarterback contract. Although you still have to pay Desmond Ritter on his rookie contract, which is great, but he's still like around three guys. So who really cares? Right. Yeah. I still think you can bring somebody in on that team, but it is a little bit harder to eat the dead cap on Ryan Tannehill's contract than Marcus Mariota's. But Hey, I, I can't really, I can't really fault the uh, Jay Choi here for making the pick. Right. I mean, yeah. he's got a, he's got a solid win now roster to be honest, in my opinion. And, Kyler Murray and Marcus Mariota are going to run the ball. They're going to have some spike weeks. Cup, Eckler, Mixon, Judy, and Cooper. Man, those are those are some decent pieces. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and Mariota has, like you said, has produced as a I think as a high end wide receiver too. You know, depending on your league format and your scoring, you know he's he's been putting up weeks where you know you're you're happy to have him in the lineup. Uh, even though he has been inefficient. So as long as you don't have a lot of punishment for like incompletions or, you know, it's it's not a a six points passing touchdown. I mean, he, even then he's still running enough to to get the job done. So right. either way, hey, good solid pick. Long term outlook. Don't feel great about it. Again, you, I guess in that range you have Stafford, <laughs> Mariota, and then you're looking at Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers. Like it's all kind of question marks right it's who do you have conviction in that has a job next year territory yeah. right <laughs> right that's spot on spot on who do you have conviction in that has a job or will have a job next year yeah and and at this point i think we can, we can kind of look at some of these guys that were in our 
previous draft that fell out of this draft and some of the guys that were in this draft but were not in our previous draft. Some of the guys, we can't exactly give you the numbers on how many spots they rose or fall because we only went 10 rounds, but we can still tell you that their, their risers are fallers because they're not in these first 10 rounds. So looking at the quarterback position in particular, in our first mock, we did have Tom Brady in there, Ooh. and we also had Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and Jared Goff. All of those guys were taken in the first rock in the first mock a couple weeks back. We're not taken in this one. Um, can you guess why as to Malik Willis wasn't taken? Have you seen him play football? Uh, uh, I wish I didn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been bad. It's been bad. Still have some hope for him in the running game eventually evolving, but man, it has not looked pretty the first couple weeks here. Tom Brady, I think, is one of those man. We just there's legitimate concerns. I mean, we're at that point in the season. If we were doing a mid-season startup there, you have you have more of the season, and he hasn't been producing like we thought he really would, or maybe turn it around at this point. It just hasn't happened, and you have retirement concerns. Jared Goff had been doing better. Desmond Ritter, we thought he could possibly turn into the starter by this point. A lot of guys that just have seen their situations fall off a little bit. Yeah, we'll say Goff. I mean, it doesn't really surprise me because he hasn't played all that great lately. Uh, but Tom Brady, you know, interesting, going to be really interesting in the offseason. Going to be really interesting. He's a technically a free agent. You know, so retirement is a possibility. He did just lose $650 million on his FTX crypto, you know, fun. So, you know, who, who knows? Maybe he needs an, an extra paycheck next year or the year after. So, you know, that's a possibility of him coming back. Not saying for sure, not not throwing it out there, but you got to think about that. If you have him or if you're trading you know, for him and he can help you win this year, maybe you'll have him for more than a year. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, uh, running back-wise, you know, we had Devin Singletary that was in the first and not in this one. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Brian Robinson. I think we saw that show. <laughs> and then I think that's uh, James Robinson. James Robinson was the other one, you know. The trade for him did not work out all that great yet. He's had a, he's had a decent game this last week, but it's uh, looking shaky still. So, anything stand out at running back? Any any of those really surprise you at all? Yeah, James Robinson, man, just to touch on that trade and man, the value hit that he took. People were trading twenty three first, twenty four first for James Robinson. Man, um, I looked at it today, like. Austin Eckler is the one UDFA that has really pretty much ever consistently done anything in the last cup, like last modern history of NFL. Um, so <laughs> the outlier of outliers. If for some reason you've been trying to read these tea leaves that are going on in Pittsburgh and you want to buy in on the Jalen Warren hype, don't, uh, don't do it. If you want to maybe like buy him and just flip him in like two weeks, whenever he has like 10 carries for the next two weeks, do that like, by all means, go ahead. But if he's getting any significant workload and then people are asking to pay up for him, do not do it because do this it. is what happens to UDFAs. They have no allegiance to you and they will trade you and your value will be dead. AKA Philip Lindsay. Remember where he was a couple years back? Yep. Thousand it's yard rusher for two years in Denver. I mean, he his his career arc is almost exactly the same what it looks like James Robinson is going to be falling into oh, now. So sad, man. It's sad, man, but that's unfortunately just what happens to most of these UDFA guys. Austin Eckler is just the outlier. 
Yeah, J-Rob's a good player. He's a good NFL football player. I think he'll still find a job in the league. I still think he'll be around, but... Yeah, we'll see what happens after this year. You know, obviously, Brees Hall's still there. Michael Carter's there. Um, I think his contract runs up at the end of the year, so we'll see what kind of gig he gets after this. But it's uh, if, if you had the opportunity to sell, I mean, there, week two, I, I vividly remember myself going out trying to buy J-Rob shares on competitive teams where I thought J-Rob was going to maintain this role all year long in Jacksonville. Boy, am I glad I was not able to get any of those deals done. Like, I got turned away. People were wanting 23 firsts and seconds, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, I was offering two seconds thinking I'm giving you a fair value on him, and it's like, no, I need a first. I need a first and a second. I'm like, give me a 24 first. I'm like, I just can't do it. Dude was getting 20-plus touches a game. Thought he was the workhorse, and then they just said, uh, nope, see ya. We're going to let ATN run the rock that many times. Um, (laughs) Outside of that, the only really takeaways from our first mock to our second mock here, Elijah Moore, um, woof. Um, Sometimes sometimes it doesn't work out to try to flex your hand when you have zero leverage. (laughs) Sometimes it just doesn't fucking work out, man. That was a – man, that was rough. they, I did see reports saying that they're going to try to start integrating him into the slot. Um, we'll see. Maybe they're going to try to integrate him into the slot machines and maybe see if they can re-roll that pick or something. <laughs> I don't know what that really means. But um, other ones were Wandell Robinson. I mean, he was a 10th-round pick. Sky Moore is another one who we've seen the hope just start to slowly, slowly fade on. Do you have any hope left with Sky Moore? Do you you trying to hold on hope till next year? I mean, at best, I see him as an MVS replacement next year, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like them bringing in Kadarius Tony was kind of the telltale sign. Like I knew Sky Moore was not ready this year. Like that was the given coming into the year is he was a developmental guy where you need some time. So I, I'm not too surprised that this happened. Um in the NFL side. And then also with his draft capital, like just people just not really wanting to invest in him. But uh, yeah, I I think when you look at like Alec Pierce, Michael Gallup, um, Sky Moore, like you said, like all of those guys being in the first round, they were towards the end anyways, and then falling out, not too much of a surprise. I think you, you, you we're in that range where any of these guys could go in the nine, 10, 11, 12 range of rounds. So, Hey, it is what it is. No, no, nothing too shocking or surprising. So as we get into who was in this mock, but not in the first mock. So who are some of our big risers? I'm just going to go through some, some wide receivers real quick here because we did have a, a good chunk. We have Rondale Moore, Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley. You know, he got traded. He's a jag. See what opportunities happen there. Keenan Allen. So that was the surprise with Keenan Allen. He was not in the first one but he was in the second one and he just, he still hasn't played anything. So we still haven't seen anything out of him. Nothing really new there. DPJ Donovan, uh, Donovan people's Jones uh, made it to the, the 10th round in this one. And then the last wide receiver last two, I should say are Curtis Samuel and chase Claypool. Anything of note there, anything you want to touch on in the, in the wide receivers? No, a lot of guys that, I mean, they're just sneaking in the back end, right? It's, it's a fluid fluid thing within these last 36 wide receivers for the most part. 
a little bit interesting here with uh, Calvin Ridley. I think if we were in a startup mock, you know, taking the shot on next year's production isn't the worst thing to do. Um, we've we've seen the talent that Calvin Ridley can be. I still personally wouldn't do it. I still have my concerns. He still has to be reinstated. He still has to come back after not playing for a year and a half almost, probably a very long time at that point. So I still have concerns on Calvin Ridley. I'm not going to be the one to buy in on him at this type of price. I'd rather just shoot another shot that can possibly rise in value over the rest of the year yet. Yeah, I, I'm with it. I, I like Calvin Ridley as well. I, I do feel like it's it's kind of the Jamar Chase effect where he took time off of football, not due to injury. So yeah, there's going to be some reacclimating himself to to the NFL speed, new quarterback, new system. All of that's going to be new for him, but the talent is still there, and I don't think that that is gone. So unless that has you know dissipated over the last two years and he hasn't touched a football, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, I don't mind the gamble. I, I don't know if I'd do it there in the ninth with who is who else was on the board, but in general, I have no problem investing in Calvin Ridley. I'm I'm a little bit more of a risk taker when it comes to it, anyways. But um, yeah, man, yeah. let's move into the couple of the you know the running backs who made it into okay. this one. We got uh, Khalil Herbert rose up a little bit since we've we've seen him take over. You know the hot hand work that we've seen in Chicago. We got Ezekiel Elliott making it back up into this one, and James Conner, and then the one that I really want to talk about for the rest of the season, at least, is Cordero Patterson. If you're on a competing roster with Cordero Patterson being able to play for the rest of the season, what would you be willing to give up for CPAT right now? I mean, he just came off of injury. Like competing roster, if it's my second, I know I have, I'm fully comfortable giving up my second. I feel like it would be a piece that like would push me over the top or give me that depth that I need at running back. Yeah. Let me give up a second, maybe a second and a third. I just, I just feel like CPAT is running on magic fumes and it's eventually going to run out here and it might be at the end of this year and it might not, but what do you give it up? I, I think I'm with you that I don't give up much more than my own second if I'm a yeah. competing roster. However, I mean, I, I truthfully did not expect this from CPAT, man. I mean, like, he had the magical season last year, and we all thought it was a fluke. Came out the gates this year, <laughs> still even started out okay, then gets hurt for a long stretch. Like, what was it, like six weeks or so that I think he was out for that he yeah. was that he was just on IR? comes back and puts up a monster game. And I mean, it, it's almost seeming like it's just too many things that are trying to hinder him that it's not fluky almost, but you can't bet on like a 30 plus year old running back to keep doing this stuff. Can you like, it doesn't seem like it would, I mean, maybe it's just the tread on his tires hasn't been worn down. He's never been a true, like just grinder running back ever before the Atlanta time in his career, maybe he still just has the juice and maybe he can keep producing a guy yeah. that, like I said, I'm, I'm fine spending about the capital that you said on that back end second, maybe like throw in a 24 third or something, but man, I can't get myself to buy in much more than that, but a good piece for, if you're in a competing roster, you've had maybe a in running back injury and you need some, somebody to finish off the season for you. See, Pat's going to produce for the rest of the year, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, that's definitely the interesting case study because he 
you know, he was a wide receiver. He was a punt return guy. Like it was, it was kind of gadgety for a lot of his career. He was used in the running back role, a little bit of new England and then Atlanta really hammered at home. And so he's really only been a running back for this is year two. Maybe you want to say three years total. And I, I don't know what that means for his, his body, you know, longevity wise, you know, because he hasn't taken a beating. Maybe he does have time left. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised because he still looks faster than than all get out. He's still six foot two twenty. Like he's a big boy. Yeah, man, I, I have a hard time spending more. But at the same time, if CPAT does it again next year, I wouldn't be all that surprised. Right, <laughs> the magic is just isn't going to run out for him, right? Uh, real quick before we get out of here, just a couple of the quarterbacks and tight ends, quarterbacks that made it into this mock that didn't make it into the last one, Marcus Mariota and Jimmy G. Tight ends were Cole Komet and Greg Dolchich. Cole Komet probably really only getting in after the, what was it, like three touchdown performance or two touchdown performance that he just put up here? Yeah, two TDs, yeah. So honestly, I think if that one doesn't happen, he probably doesn't even make it into this mock. But um I did put I, I put up Greg Dolchich into this one as my as my last pick in this one. I've I've liked what we've seen out of Greg Dolchich and man, if he if he continues anything near the pace that he's done for the first three weeks that he's been back on the field, it'll be a hell hell of a career for Greg Dolchich. I don't know if it's going to keep up like that, but damn good yeah. start to his career. Yeah, Denver was super high on him in the preseason. Um, Albert O is the fraudulent tight end one for the record. Albert O was the one everyone's like, ah, oh, he could be tight end eight, you know, and he he's going to be the guy. Fans gone. This is going to be his chance. And like, it just never saw it, never believed it. Team didn't either. They drafted Dolchich, athletic, big dude, you know, physical. And that's the big thing is he can block. And uh, they loved him throughout the preseason, had his injury. Since he's come back, he's been really good. And I don't see that slowing down. I think the the big thing with this mock as well, tight end had a bit of a different uh, feel to it. You know, last time Ertz went in the tenth round, I think Ertz is up like thirty nine slots here, all the way into the uh, to the sixth round or seventh round there. So we had those risers, Dolchich, Komet. Like we had a, a lot of guys coming off the board. Um, I think Kittle was up quite a bit as well. I think he was up what twenty up thirty two. 32 slots. Okay. So yeah, I mean, we, we had a lot of tight end movement uh, later in the rounds as well. And I think it was just the, the fact we wanted to get a tight end on our rosters. We, we didn't want to miss out on some of the, you know, the top 12 to 14 tight ends just to, to really have a shot at one of them. Right. Um, Interestingly, even in our second one, after David and Joku's injury, he still rose in this draft compared to our last draft. I think it's a lot of excitement and optimism. Like they signed him to be the guy, right? Like that's not going to change. And the situation with, with Watson coming back is only going to improve. So I, even with the injury, the high ankle sprain, I still think there's that optimism that long-term in dynasty, he continues to, uh, to grow with that role and thrive. Yep. It's, it's fully understandable for me. I think we had a couple more weeks of production from David and Joku after that, week as yeah. well before he sprained his ankle so we got to see a couple weeks of really solid production from david and joker before he did suffer the injury in this one and i i think he's i think he's properly valued here even for a mid-season startup so wholesale here 
want to look at the, the the board zoomed out essentially. You know, obviously you want a quarterback one, like a top nine quarterback, ideally. But like, how are you constructing your roster? Like coming into the year, I wanted two quarterbacks within the first three, maybe four rounds at most. I want two in that range. And I wanted three in 10. That was always a goal. I wanted to have three quarterbacks within the first 10 rounds. And I think looking at this here, we got Scott Connor, who ended up taking Patrick Mahomes, T-Law, and Stafford. And then we have in the... Pello in the 10 slot. 10 slot, yeah. With Tua. And then he ended up grabbing, what, Jimmy G and Zach Wilson. So, or Zach Wilson, Jimmy G. So, are you still wanting to grab three? Because it is super flex. Let's not forget, it's still super flex. Or do you even care? Are you okay grabbing, trying to get whatever's available after you know after this? Yeah, I'm moving into the territory of um, I don't care. Yeah. Honestly, I don't care after the first, like, between quarterbacks 8 and 16. I really don't care. And then you even want to like question whether I care about the quarterbacks between week between like 16 and 32. Just give me a starter. Like if you give me a starter, I don't care. I'll I'll even take like next year's Davis Mills, as gross as that sounds, compared to some of these guys. Like Davis Mills had about the same opportunity that every one of these guys that we're seeing come into this like back end, like the Geno Smiths, Daniel Jones, like. There was a there was a possible outcome where that was Davis Mills last year, coming into this year. Yeah, and so yeah. like it, it's a it's a whole it's a dart throw at the board whenever you get passed for your third quarterback. So I will take whichever one of the last like four that I actually care about and have a little bit of conviction on. That's the one I'm going to take. I'm going to take position players before that. And honestly, for my second quarterback, it worked out here for me where I was able to get Deshaun and Trey Lance and get both of those guys who I'm going to go try to roll into next year. But man, if I wasn't, if I didn't set my strategy that quickly, like if I could have came back, I know he went a little bit before me, but came back with Deshaun and like Kirk Cousins in the fourth. I don't care. Like, do I really have that big of a difference between Dak Prescott at the 201 and Kirk Cousins at the 402? No. I don't care. Yeah, just kind of looking at some of these teams and how they were constructed. You know, um, again, Jay Rich has the the monster running backs, still has the the hero wide receiver route, you know, so it kind of worked out for him, but again, no depth at, at wide receiver. Um, I think the Reese meet the four slot. I don't know how you say that, but Brody, uh, he ended up having a, a pretty solid draft there with, with Hertz, Diggs, London, DJ Moore. got two tight ends actually with Goddard and Hertz. Daniel Jones is a QB two, And then ended up, you know, being able to backfill running back with Tony Pollard, Khalil Herbert, James Connor can, can grab more as well, but he's got three really good wide receivers that you feel comfortable with. Um, even Ty declare uh, there in the sixth slot. With Tyreek DK, got he ended up getting two quarterbacks as well, you know. So he he did end up taking uh, Russ and uh, and Burrow, but having 
Godwin as your three, JMO for the future play at the four, and then Mooney as a five, and then being able to grab a guy like Fournette and Monch, uh, you know, David Montgomery. That's going to be a good team. Like again, when you're drafting like now. this, that's that's whew, solid. The team solid. that can win now, and it's decently set up for the future too, man. I, I mean, even Tyreek, we don't see Tyreek really falling off the cliff here in no. you know year or two, so. And I think that's I think that is one of our like my takeaways from seeing all of this and just seeing what we've seen from the season in general. Just I, I think we need to reevaluate what we determine in these aging, quote unquote, aging wide receivers. Like, man, if you're just gonna hand me Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, like if you're just gonna give them to me at a discount because they're old, like they're turning on 28, 29, 30. By all means, send them my way, yep. because I don't have any fear. I don't have any fear that they'll they're gonna just fall off the face of the earth and stop producing. Are they like none of them? I don't think are on a career trajectory like AJ Green or something like that, right? Like we've even seen DeAndre Hopkins come back from his PED suspension and come back and just ball out. And maybe that has a little bit to do with it. I don't know. But we're not gonna say <laughs> that, but. I mean, these guys, the, these upper echelon guys, until they fall off, I'm never going to bet against them again. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way at running back. Like, we talk about aging running backs and how afraid of them that we are. Like, you know, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Saquon, Eckler, Mixon, you know, all of them, Dalvin, Dalvin and Alvin. Like we're so CMC, like we're all so scared of these guys. And, you know, again, when you're drafting, it's a little bit different. But even when you're trading for him, it's like, oh, well, he's 27. He's t- Derrick Henry's 28. It's like, would you be surprised if Derrick Henry played for three more years? Like, man, I'm happy to let Derrick Henry die on my roster. That dude is a workhorse of workhorses. He's a rare breed. Like if you can get him for a first, do it. Don't be afraid. If he's a win now piece, do it. And then on top of that, you have the opportunity that he plays for two or three more years and he's part of your actual long-term dynasty plan. Like, Man, like when did, when did people come out and start saying that we were supposed to be selling him off like two years ago and now he's still the white, or the running back too? Yep. Like, man, until these guys, until these guys start to decline, um, and I think we saw it a little bit with the running back data I had pulled before um, that we may, may get into here a little bit later. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to run it a little bit against this what we've seen this season as well. But Agreed. until we see the decline of these guys, just don't sell them short because it's it's just not worth it. Until we see a little bit of a decline, even Zeke still man, he's still serviceable, right? He's still going out there and getting you points and being in your lineups. So, yeah, man, you had the Cowboys even coming out and saying, you know, Zeke is their guy. Tony Pollard, you know, had a great run. He, he plays very well, but if they gave him that type of workload consistently, you know, he he wouldn't be as explosive as like the excuse they gave or the reason that they gave. And and if you really look at his fantasy career, he's never had more than 15 touches in a single game. Like I was shocked. I actually had to go look it up. I'm like, there's no way. Like he's never had 15 touches in a more than 15 in a single game. So uh, it tells you all you need to know. And, and Pollard's still going to be able to put up some numbers for you with those limited opportunities, like in a best ball league. But Zeke's still going to be the hammer. They're going to hand him the ball. They're going to let him go to work. He's going to have a great floor. 
may not have the ceiling he used to have, but he's going to have a great floor for your team. Yeah, I think he is. And, you know, he, he snuck his way up into this one. And I think, I think that's why, because we recognize that Rightfully he still so. has value. So yep. as we wrap this one up here, do you have any other final takeaways from what we've seen on the board here? <sighs> Man, I, I think that's pretty much it. You know, I think the tight end game, um, you know, trying to predict the, the next upcoming tight ends. I like the Dolchich pick. Um, I think the biggest talk. takeaway quarterbacks are dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quarterbacks are dead. Super like, I mean, truthfully. Yeah. Like, you know, I, and I don't see it changing. Twos, quarterback twos are dead. Get, get the good wide receivers. Cause you don't want to miss out Buy cheap old running backs and, and make sure you get yourself a top nine quarterback. Like if you, if you do those things, I feel like you're going to have a really good team. and You're going to be very happy with how you constructed your roster, breaking it down. Super simple, right? Like it isn't that hard. Dynasty isn't that hard. Yeah. Like basic, right? Just get good players. <laughs> That's all you have to do, man. Just draft the right <laughs> players. Uh, all right. Any last takeaways for you? Or are we on to head on out of here? Oh man. Wrap this thing up for us. Perfect. Well, thank you again. Please like, please subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, helps us out a ton. Uh, a big, big shout out and thank you to everyone at Destination Debbie in the Heisman tier. Um, Patreon.com forward slash all gas. Check it out. Be part of the community. Incredible, incredible group of people. Uh, nothing quite like it in the fantasy industry. Uh, again, like, subscribe, find us, and we will see you next week here in the Fantasy Draft Room.